You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. We're going to be getting a series entitled Signs of the Times. Everybody is asking that question, when are the last days among us? Over the next five weeks, we'll be discussing the end times and the last days. Hope you enjoy it. God bless you. Well, I'm beginning my second part of uh, the Signs of the Time message that I began last week. And uh, this particular message is entitled, Standing Firm. My name is Pastor Jay Davis, and I want to welcome you to Mapleview Community Church. I appreciate you joining us. Let me begin with a prelude uh, regarding what I will be sharing with. And I know many people out there uh, may not necessarily be familiar with uh, bibliology and hermeneutics and some of the science uh, of the Bible. There's a lot of real science that goes behind it, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, archaeology and uh, geography and a lot going on in the Bible. So if you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, some of it can be kind of overwhelming. So, but let me begin with a prelude and what I'll be talking about. <clears throat> in the book of Genesis, uh, at the beginning, it says, God created uh, the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So there's a creation timeline being laid out in the book of Genesis. So six days of creation, the seventh day, God rested. In Second Peter, the apostle Peter writes, he says, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That's found in his second letter in chapter 3. Many Christian scholars uh, will put the timeline of the six days of a creation uh, that it actually prophesies 6,000 years from the start of human history uh, until the return of Christ to establish his kingdom and his reign on earth. So a thousand years is like a day, a day is like a thousand years. It's a little bit of a mystery here, but in there, the and just uh, we've come to believe, or many have come to believe that each thousand years is like a day of creation from Peter. The seventh day of rest represents the sabbatical year uh, or the thousand year millennial reign uh, that the Bible talks about. It's prophesied in Revelation, followed by the new heavens and the new earth. And that's really in Revelation chapter 20, when, when perpetual time uh, is it, it happens. That's when, when we're living forever, eternal life, without any real knowledge of what goes on beyond that. So, if I was to look back from Adam to Jesus, accounts for the first 4,000 years of man's history. There's lots of genealogies that would roughly put that time frame in there. From the time of Jesus dying on the cross, which many would put somewhere between 28 AD and 33 AD, until his return is estimated at 2,000 years. So you see 4,000 years go by to Jesus' time, and then the last 2,000 years from Jesus to our present day is, is this number 2,000, with the 1,000-year reign still to happen. If you, like many, might take his death being between 28 A.D. and 33 A.D., that would make the second coming. I know it can kind of get confusing. I hope to help you here. But the second coming between 28 and, uh, 2028 and 2033. If the church is actually raptured uh, somewhere seven years before that, that would be, be happening somewhere between 2021 and 2026. 
before before the start of the seven years of great tribulations. Now, with man's calculations almost always being wrong when it comes to this kind of thing, along with Jesus' words saying no man can know the exact day or hour of his return, uh, which he talks about in Matthew 24, uh, the signs of the times dialogue, though, would put us somewhere in the last part of the uh, of this 6,000 years prior to the coming of Jesus. And for most believers, or at least in my persuasion of thinking, Christ's return is imminent and that we should all be prepared. So that's where, you know, I am suggesting that from a biblical point of view, at least in my persuasion and my thinking, that the la- we're in the last days of the last days that we talked about last week. So that's where the stand firm uh, is important. Jesus actually speaks these words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, when he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so, uh, you know, I want to reveal an impl- the implicit warnings from Matthew that Jesus shares about that we must stand firm in. And my st- the word stand for me is always a little acrostic, meaning solid, tenacious, and never defeated. S-T-A-N-D, solid, tenacious, and never defeated. I want everybody to be able to stand firm to the end in order to be saved. So in the series in- introduction, we're talking about being prepared and not scared. The fact of the matter is, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, Jesus' words are good news and a gift to you and I. Like It's like getting tomorrow's newspaper today and finding out, wow, we won the lottery. We know ahead of time, or we've we've survived the deal. We know who wins the big game ahead of time. Jesus' words of yesterday accurately describe the days we're living in. 2,000 years ago, he was telling us, and I'm going to outline some of them for you to decide if, in fact, some of those days actually look like what we're living in right now. And if that's the case, we can be prepared and not scared. In fact, if you lean back to the first days of creation, uh, if Eve uh, had such knowledge of the serpent's hatred uh, for God's children. She would never have bought his lies and deceptions. She would never eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, at all. But And unlike those first days, in the last days, Jesus has prepared the bride. He has given us warning. He has told us, be careful. And if we're listening to what the Spirit might say, we can thwart the serpent's snares ahead of time. Today, the bride of Christ, or the body of Christ, or in some cases, also the church, we have no need to be scared of any of the unfolding current events happening today. Like, we don't have to be worried. And I'm talking larger than just the COVID problem. If you are not af- And if you're not afraid today, I'm not talking to you. The serpent cannot bring eternal harm to the believer who is wisely prepared. Now, just so you know, serpents are cold-blooded creatures. Humans, on the other hand, are warm-blooded. A warm-blooded, as warm-blooded humans, you have the capacity to run and to sweat and, and keep running. But a snake is cold-blooded and is limited in his ability to endure. So, what am I saying? A healthy, wise person in the physical can always outlast the snake. Now, in Scripture, the serpent and snake are symbols of evil. 
we you dirty rotten snake uh, they represent evil physical snakes twist back and forth to move about to get their way so does the serpent of scripture twist and turn the truth to deceive and to ruin many people do not be seduced by satan the arch deceiver moving you toward different snares of lust and perversion and addiction the most powerful of all addictions that hardly get mentioned is the love of money the root that's the root of all evil it says the the love of money is the root of all evil but while the serpent is cold-blooded and evil and though evil may have its day you're saying evil looks like it's prevailing because it is cold-blooded it cannot endure forever no matter how powerful or unstoppable evil appears it cannot last the serpent of genesis the dragon of revelation is limited in his time by standing firm in prayer and worship and service in giving and fellowship you're going to be able to outlast all the serpent and his evil now it's very important i suggest that parents you need to prepare and teach your kids how to recognize evil and flee temptation so they won't be overcome and prevail into the very end as well so the idea behind this message is being prepared not scared standing firm means being anchored to the truth that the disciples need to build true disciples need to build on firm foundation not sinking sand god's word is truth jesus's actions are truth when you read through the gospels you see how he lived and how he moved and how he had his being jesus actions are truth the way he lived and the things that he did the thoughts that he shared are truth and you can follow in that you can mimic those things there's good reasons to meditate and memorize the inspired word of God. All kinds of scripture come alive. I, I think of one I memorized many years ago, Luke 10, 19. He has given me authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy that nothing shall harm me. Having equipped with the word of God can now help me in my thinking. Of course, fellowship with the saints and meeting together is also very important. Celebrating the Lord's return until he comes. It's a big deal. It's one of the tenets of our faith. This is the way you stand firm against the snares of the serpent in the last days. If you don't know how Scripture guides you, directs you, or sets you on different paths, if the leading of the Holy Spirit is not really a part of your decision-making or molding your thinking, you can easily be led astray. Easily. But God's Word really empowers you. So let's go to our story just for a bit. The day is Tuesday, and while in the birth pains of His very own last days on earth, Jesus shares from the Mount of Olives by outlining the birth pains of Satan's strategy for our end and the end of the age moment. What some would really believe, myself included, would think we're in those throes of last days. By Friday, Jesus will be bleeding on the cross at the hands of the serpent's wicked human actors. So Satan has the power to de deceive and, and use humans to get to his final goal. From Satan entering Judas Iscariot to the brood of snakes called Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus' appointed destiny has arrived. And so shall ours. We all have appointed destiny. Now let's talk about what Jesus warned about us on this Tuesday before his death. Well, the first sign of warning Jesus talks about is false teaching from false prophets. 
He says, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name. They will deceive many. But this is not the end. So he's telling us there's going to be this deception going, but it's not the end. Jesus then repeats it again in verse 11. He says, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Listen, deception is Satan's specialty. It's his specialty. He's been doing it from the very beginning. He's crafty, he's wise, and he knows how to fool people. He knows how to put disinformation and deconstruct situations to make it look like God is nowhere around. The end time virus that I'm going to call this is apostasy. The end time virus. What is apostasy? Apostasy is the abandonment of acceptable biblical belief. It's one of the serpent's greatest deceptions one of his most trusted tools, the abandonment of acceptable biblical belief. Standing firm means anchoring yourself to the truth when there's so much false teaching and false prophets. Jesus associates these teachings, the abandonment of Scripture, to snakes and children of snakes and warns us not to be deceived. So, how is this possible? Prominent pastors with large media platforms in recent years have declared the non-existence of hell and others have suggested that the Old Testament is no longer relevant and no longer connected to the New Testament. Recent surveys show evangelical Christians that I'm part of departing from historical doctrines of Christianity. The there's no more condemnation. There's no more saying that, that sex out of marriage is, is wrong, fornication, or there's all kinds of uh, of different philosophies and science that say it's all right. Sex is perfect outside of marriage, no matter what's going on. Surprisingly, and I want you to hear this, my challenge is not with those choosing to live in those lifestyles. Lifestyles that are counter-biblical, uh, uh, I'm not mad at anybody or upset or angry or bitter or, or trying to impose my will. Free will is given by God, and everyone has the right to choose how they shall live. So I'm not, I don't go around judging or condemning people who are living lifestyles that I'm not uh, happy with. I, now, I, I believe there's are consequences to the choices, but that is between God and the day of judgment. That's for them. I try to share the truth and love. But my real challenge, the real rub is the professing Christians for whom the Bible is no longer the highest authority for what they believe. It's like we can make up our own version of Christian faith. We, we just want love and we just want mercy. There's no punishment. There's no judgment. There's no, there's no law that you, you can do whatever you want. Paul, the Apostle Paul, warns us in the book of Timothy as he's sharing with his young protege, this young pastor he's trying to train. He says, listen, Timothy, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. One version says doctrines of demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and the consciences are dead. The most dangerous of the serpent's deceptions are the ones that are based on 90% truth and 10% lie. The one sounds so loving and kind. Oh, God is love. God is merciful. God is gracious. There's no judgment. 
I mean, it sounds so wonderful. 90% God is love. God is mercy. God is grace. But when there is, when he's, they say there's no judgment, there's no consequences, there's no ramifications to living your own life, that, that would be the 10% lie, which makes it all lie. The ones that sound so loving and kind. We received uh, some special um, gifts this past week. We were given uh, th- about 30 to 40 20 kilogram bags of rice this week to put in our uh, food bank. And each, but the problem, the challenge was each had been chewed open by mice. In closer inspection, many had mice droppings in them, and and most of them, many of them, had the smell of urine. Well, who would want me to dish that up to them? You know, well, it looked all good. You know, I could take it all out, and who would know, except that there had also been mice that have made messes in it. And, and, And that's kind of like what it can be out there. We are listening to highly edited, marketing-generated, social media and book celebrity personalities believing in their absolute truth, in their brand of truth, but we don't really know, and they mix it in so subtly. Standing firm means anchoring to Jesus' words, not to the words of highly publicized men and women. We need to get back. You need to get back to just reading the Word of God for yourself, not just everyone else's interpretation, which includes mine. Okay, apostasy. The second sign of warning, it says wars, rumors of wars, famines, and earthquakes. I'm going to talk about famines and earthquakes at another time. But here Jesus is telling his disciples to prepare in the last days, which remember, he shared with them 2,000 years ago, that there would come wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. He says, yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. These things are not the the absolute end. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this only is the birth pains with much more to come. Here, the end time virus that I'm talking about here is anarchy. Wars, rumors of wars, famine. Anarchy is the state of disorder due to the absence of authority. It's a lawlessness. It's an absence of government, good government. We are witnessing a lot of that lately around the world. An anarchy, pushback. Standing firm means being anchored to the kingdom of God. Not to the temporal governments of our day, but to the eternal government of God. Scripture tells us, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is what, it's backward. Everything's backward. Now, the secular humanist speaks of evolution and how humans will evolve into a higher godlike species, smarter, wiser. This theory to me is absolutely silly. If anything, mankind has devolved, not evolved, after countless wars, nations rushing to create weapons to destroy other nations. I read in uh, some statistics lately that says roughly $3 billion in military expenditures occur each day across the world, gathering up, while at the same moment, 20,000 people die of hunger. Is, Is it government I want to put my trust in when they're worried and putting all this military might while they're watching people die kingdoms constantly are trying to economically destroy each other right now through tariffs and embargoes and sanctions there's good reason to think that 
man's not evolving. Man's attempt at eugenics. I mean, many of you may never even have heard that. The science of improving a human population by controlled breeding. That's That was a growing science in the early uh, 20th century. It got ruined when Hitler tried to create a master race. But it was happening right around the world, the study of eugenics. You can even go online and find it now. There's a lot of that happening. If man is basically good, why do we hate people of different color and language and religion? Why are we after them? Organizations have come into existence trying to convince nations around the world of human rights. We have to, what's, what's that about? You're trying to convince people of human rights? Why aren't, why aren't, they're just there. An evolving species would think it's important Important to get basic food and water and sanitation to all people and would not let four and a half million people die of starvation each year. This is crazy, some of the things going on. Standing firm means waiting for the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy to be revealed. Uh, and, and so we got to be careful. I'm not sure there's any real political party anymore that represents me. And the idea of the lesser of two evils is not really a choice. For me, at least. Oh, you know, I'm standing before the Lord, and he says, you know, Jay, it's good you didn't choose the bad evil, but you chose the lesser evil. They didn't wipe out as many people as the bad evil, but they really wiped out quite a few too. I don't think that's an excuse. The third sign uh, or warning or virus is the time of affliction. Jesus told the disciples to be prepared in last days, 2,000 years ago, remember, that there would come a time of affliction. He says this, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray one another and hate each other. The end time virus of affliction. Affliction is something that causes pain and suffering. According to the website, The Voice of Martyrs, there are millions of brothers and sisters in the Lord who believe in Jesus, who are following him right now, that it is an extremely dangerous thing to do. For many, following Christ costs everything. In many parts of the world, followers of Christ are the target of genocide. Of the 7 million Syrian and Iraqi refugees, it is supposed to be around 58% are believers, are Christians. The website also goes on to say that every six minutes a Christian is killed for following Jesus somewhere in the world. I'm not sure about you, but or, or who are you prepared to be hated, betrayed, and martyred like so many beyond the religion of the Western Hemisphere? We aren't worried about that, but it's starting to push on us, and there's a little fear stepping up. Standing firm means being anchored in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter preaches this in the in the book of Acts, he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. The beginning of the church age, the early believers were commanded to wait, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to receive power. At that day, it was a very anti-Christ world civilization and persecution against the leader, the Messiah, Jesus, was at a frenzied pitch. He'd been killed in Jerusalem and soon his followers would be forced out of Jerusalem itself. They needed, Jesus said, they, wait in Jerusalem, you need power. They needed power to face the coming persecution. This is pretty relevant for us today. Jesus tells us that he will one day return to Jerusalem, but before that happens, what's going to happen? Believers will again suffer persecution. The end of time happens like the beginning of the church age. At that, and that is happening right now with people dying around the world every six minutes for Christ. 
As believers once walked, so will true believers need to walk again. As the early church body stood, so must the last church body stand. As the early church overcame, so must the last end days church overcome. At the end, we must live like those that begun. And this is the rub. And this comes to the fourth sign, a time of apathy. The, Jesus says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Apathy is defined as a lack of interest or enthusiasm. When indifference occurs in your relationship with Jesus, that's the biggest problem. Hatred, and that, that, that isn't, it's indifference. It's who cares? Who gives a rip? His words, his passions his are, are indifferent. You don't see the broken world. You don't have a love for those around you. You just are self-indulgent, self-absorbed, focused on everything about yourself. Standing firm in these days means being anchored to passionately loving what God loves. And guess what he loves? He loves people. The coronavirus has revealed a real weakness in the Western church. A real awkward reality is that for some, the pandemic is not the ball of fire leading them into a deeper relationship, but revealing a take-it-or-leave-it attitude that of indifference. Let's pull away. Let's stop going. Let's, let's not be part of things. To be the light of the world, biblical faith must remain active, seen in actions and behaviors. It can never become lukewarm or become a program of our mainstream Western thinking. You know, sure, I'm a believer. I believe in God. Everybody believes in God, you know. But the devil believes in God, the Bible tells us. See, what if the pandemic right now is just a training ground preparing for greater challenges to come to the church? You see, faith isn't just about believing. It's about obedience. Obedience is a part of the faith walk. How many people are prepared for a real testing of our faith in being obedient when things are tough? The identity and risk of the gospel that early Christians endured has in many cases and in many people's lives been lost today. We're, we're, we're not risking anything. What was at once time, one time in the early church a countercultural risky faith has become a soft, comfortable faith. We don't want to get outside our comfort zone. What was once a radical faith that required deep commitment and sacrifice has become become something that is a feely faith. Oh, I, as long as it feels good, I'll do it. What once was a revolutionary faith, not in military and take up an arms, but care and love and mercy and uh, compassion and going the second mile and, and being kind and stepping in and being a moral compass and loving those things. That's what revolutionary faith is. It's gone. It's become status quo. Just go to church and show up. If the church of the last days is to flourish, it has to flourish and grow through this time of pandemic. It's time to become deeply intimate with your Lord. It's time to step up. Listen, I'm going to close with this. The world is a wonderful place and has many incredible, beautiful locations. I've been to many and I've enjoyed so many. And it's never wrong to enjoy time with family, to be with friends, just to, to enjoy yourself. But if you are looking for a long-term joy, an eternal joy, you must allow the serpent of Genesis, now the dragon of Revelation, you cannot allow him to deceive you into falling into any of the traps of apostasy, anarchy, affliction, 
or apathy. You must stand firm until the end. Church, God has a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. We want to be part of this this end time moment. We want to we want to embrace it. We want to live. We want to excel. And so, in these days, uh, let's be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose. Don't be deceived by the enemy. Today, would you stand firm? Would you would you consider giving your heart to the Lord? Would you consider living for Jesus? Would you consider making a new commitment to follow Him to learning? My last question, David, do you have a Savior to stand firm with you until the end? Because it's just a matter of time. Now is the day of salvation. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We've never been guaranteed tomorrow. If you ever make your life right with God, this is the time, eternity now. Because soon we are going to see the King. Thank you.